0: This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor of Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. Uh, my prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at as we learned last week, we ought to be faithful even if it means being uncomfortable according to worldly ideals, things that the world has set us out to think as our provision and our goodness and our comfort. We should be uncomfortable if it means being faithful to God. And today we are asking the Lord to awaken, as the passage is going to say, to rise, to rouse up this sleeping generation or this sleeping idea to awaken from a slumber. Calling on upon us, our church, and the world, to love Jesus, love one another, and to obey His Word. Remember, God can work through all things, but He has chosen to work specifically through the church, that He's called out a group of people to work through. And my main point this morning is this, is that God woke up. There was an awakening. His Spirit aroused up a generation And God will wake up complacent people. So I ask you as we're going into this are you complacent in any area of your life that God has called you to be active and obedient in? Are you complacent in any area of your life? If you were to categorize different places that God has provided for you or God has called you into something, if you were to separate those things out, are you complacent in any of those areas where God has called you to be active? God has given you goodness, and you haven't found contentment. You see, last week we saw that God called his people into commitment, but they found comfortability, and they found desiring comfort in the world to be greater than the commitment that they had towards God. And so they longed for comfort in this house of provision rather than longing for the comfort that could be given by the house of God and his provisions. And so knowing that, let's move into Haggai chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. It says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the entire remnant of the people, obeyed the Lord their God and the words of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him. So the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, delivered the Lord's message to the people. I am with you. This is the Lord's declaration. The Lord roused the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, the spirit of the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. They began work on the house of the Lord of armies, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. I want to show you three things this morning from this passage, and they are God's authority invoked obedience, God's word leads us into obedience, and God's presence, the goodness of God's presence being, I am with you, will awaken obedience in our life. So, first, God's authority invoked obedience. Do you see in this passage? It says, The people obeyed the Lord their God. And then it says, The people feared the Lord. What causes people to obey the Lord and to fear the Lord? And I'm talking about that healthy fear in a relationship where you recognize the relationship and you understand the dynamics within the relationship and you understand what is good for me can be given by a God who gives and takes away, a God who is over all things and created all things, the Lord of armies, as it says in this passage, who is in control of the heavenly armies and the earthly world, this kind of God who is over all things, what does it look like to say, okay, he has the authority to give and to take away. He has the authority to tell me what is good. He has the authority to give me what is good. He has the authority to call me into what is good. He has the authority to determine and define what is good when my definition is different than His. What does it look like for us to go, okay, I fear that God. I have respect. I have a reverence. I have a relationship where I recognize that His will is better than my will. His ways are better than my ways. You see, it's, it's in this moment where they recognize that this Lord whom they, who has saved them out of uh, Babylon, saved them from slavery in Babylon into the promised land, that Lord is the one who is speaking to them. And when that kind of authority steps into your presence, when that kind of authority speaks into your life, you listen. So God's authority invoked obedience The very nature of who God is, identity being our Yahweh, being our provider, the very nature of who God is brought authority that caused people to listen up. But not only does God's authority invoke obedience, but God's word leads towards obedience. You see, the people obeyed the Lord their God and the words of the prophet Haggai. You see, words lead towards obedience because authority is present. Without authority, people don't listen to words often. Somebody can tell you what to do, and you say, okay, you have no authority to tell me what to do. But when the, the Lord their God, who contains all authority, tells them what to do, even through the prophet Haggai, they respond. Why? Because it says this. Do you see it here? It says, the people uh, obeyed the words of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him. It's because he has the authority of God that they respond in obedience. You see, authority provides for a response of obedience to God's Word. And I want to remind you, this being God's Word is not powerful because it was written by man, but because it was divinely inspired and given to us by an authority, the Lord your God, who gave you God's Word through men, to you and for you, So that in God's word, we might find the very word of God, which was given to us to obey. And so we find authority even within God's word. Without authority, this is paper with ink on it. With God's presence and God's divine commands written inside of this Bible, the whole Bible containing every bit of God's word for us today, because of that truth, we obey. You see, the prophet Haggai's words weren't powerful because of his own words. They were powerful because they were from the Lord, their God. God's word is powerful because it, was, it is from the Lord your God. So when it says to move, we move. When it says this is good for you, we believe it's good for us. We, we believe God's word and therefore that authority behind God's word tells us that this is good for us. So God's word leads towards obedience. Through Haggai, through his written word, through Jesus Christ who lives his word, God's word leads towards obedience. And finally, look at this. Look at verse uh, verse 13. Here's the word. Here's what God spoke through Haggai. It says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, delivered the Lord's message to the people. I am with you. I am with you. God's authority in heaven and on earth Through God's word given to the prophet Haggai tells of the goodness of God's presence. That God's presence is has returned to his people. Do you remember Ezekiel? Seventy years prior to this, Ezekiel in Ezekiel, God's presence leaves the temple. So God's presence is pulled away from the people. When God's presence is pulled away from the people, it's not just His presence, but all of His promises and provisions for their life. All of those things are pulled away. So when we don't have God's presence, we don't have those promises and provisions in our life that take care of us for what we do and what we have. They're no longer with us. And so God's presence is pulled away from the people and they're left to their own ruin. They're uh, enslaved into Babylon. God's temple is destroyed in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden you see just chaos around the world and God's presence is removed. And so now you see God's message with the authority and the message. His message is this, I am with you. After 70 years, multiple generations, people enslaved into another country, uh, their houses in ruin, rebuilding everything within their nation, I am with you. All his provisions, all his protection, all all of his presence giving them joy and hope and comfort in the midst of a world that is broken, all those things, I am with you. So verse 14 says, the Lord roused the spirit. The Hebrew word is er, and it means like when you're asleep, something waking it up. Um, It reminds me of, um, you know, 2 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon, or maybe on a Friday afternoon, if you get off of work early, it's 2 p.m., or maybe you're at work, you know what I'm saying, after you've had lunch, and you start to get a little sleepy. You start to like, doze off at work, or maybe you're at home, you start to doze off, and then somebody comes by. Usually for me, it's my children, because they never want you to sleep. They're going life, is don't nap, right? And they come downstairs, and they're like, hey, is it time to get up? I'm ready to play. Let's go outside. Let's do that." You know, you're like, whoa, and it just wakes you up. Or maybe for you, it's like, I need a, I need a cup of coffee. It's 2 p.m. Got to have my cup of coffee. Got to wake up. Got to get ready for the day. You know, got to keep going. All those different things. God finds them sleeping complacent in their life and he wakes them up. He calls them back to their original calling to build his temple for his presence to dwell with them because it is good. You see, they believe that he has the authority. They believe that his word is true for them. And so because of that, when his presence wakes them up, they know that what they are doing is good for them. Rather than building their own homes and seeking their own provisions, now they're seeking out a place for God's presence to dwell. You see, because they can either they can do one of two things here. They can provide a place for them to live, or they can provide a place for God to live with them. Which is better? You see, our worldly desires and our natural inclination is to say, I need a place for me to live. But when we recognize that God is the provider of all things and that he brings all things that are good and comfort and provisions are within his hands anyways, and whether we grow a crop or whether we have plenty is in his hands anyways, when we, when we recognize that all control ought to be given over to a God who has all things in his control in the first place, then all of a sudden we go, okay, actually it's better for God's presence to be here. That's what, that's what God's speaking to about. Like, it's better for God's presence to be here than for me to have a place to provide a, a shelter for my life. It's better for God's presence to be here. What kind of control, Right? What kind of, like, just submitting to God's faithfulness and covenant with him? What kind of, like, okay, God, you say you're going to take care of me. I'm giving it all over to you. I'll do what you've called me to do, but I, I, I need you to give me what I need. I need you to give me these provisions. Like, I need you. I'm relying solely on you. God's authority, God's word, and God's presence causes them to be obedient even when it doesn't seem logical in this world a God who frees you out of slavery in Babylon and frees you into a promise in Israel when his presence dwells there it is good so it's not just about the people living in the land it's about the people living with God in the land and how many times does it feel like in your own life y'all with me like, how many times does it feel like it's like, God, okay, you, you saved me. You freed me. Now I just need to take care of myself. I got to get good. I got to do all these things. Like, I got to provide for myself. I got to work harder so I can have more. I, I got to plan for my life. I got this strategy that will make me successful and get me the things that I need. And, and, and God, thank you for saving me because I was a, a pretty bad person. Appreciate it. Now Now I'm going to go live my life. Now, I got, I got this under control. Thank you, for, thank you for helping me out, but now I got everything else under control. I don't, I don't need you anymore. I got, I got this. And all of a sudden, God wakes him up, and he's like, hey, you, you think you got your life. You didn't have it before. You don't have it now. Let me show you how to live. And he wakes him up. Have you ever felt that like, like that in your life? It's like, I appreciate it, God. Thank you, but I got this, other, this thing. I, I got this under control. Or maybe something spiraling so far, you feel like, God, thank you for helping me over there. Um, but uh, this, this is just done. I'm done. I I can't. I can't save it. I I can't fix it. I'm tired of it. I I just don't worry about this part, God. This is this is the part of my life that's just done. Now, may we remember what God has called us to do. Remember, um, Haggai the prophet, God's authority, God's word, God's presence. Check this out. When Jesus dies on the cross and raises from the dead, right before he goes to, be with the, uh, to ascend into heaven to be at the right hand of his Father, what does he say to his disciples? Check this out. Because this is a consistent and faithful God, right? Matthew 28, 18 through 19. Jesus, he came near. Jesus came near and, and, and said to them, speaking to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in heaven and on earth. Haggai, they listen to Haggai because he's speaking the word of God. And here comes Jesus who's speaking the word of God because he is the very presence of God, because he's God in the flesh and he's speaking God's word and he's living out God's word. And he's just raised from the dead. Like they watched him die on a cross. A couple of them watched him die on the cross, buried in a tomb, closed the tomb, opened, uh, tombs opened up, raises from the dead. He's in their presence, about to ascend into heaven. And he goes, Hey, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so, what's his ne- very next words? Go right? I remind us of this often. Why? Because if we believe that God has all authority, which it says specifically in this passage that Jesus has that same authority because he is the very divine presence of God on this earth. If we believe that Jesus has all authority on the, in heaven and on earth, and his next words are go, then our only response is this. Either he doesn't have authority, it's not the word of God, or God's presence is not with us. Because something, something in us has got to go, okay, my God told me to go. My, my God told me to go. Look at, look at the next, look at the next uh, passage. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. A transfer, a complete transfer of allegiance. Like, go make disciples who what? Transfer allegiance from this world, these worldly things, uh, Satan, the uh, evil, uh, the, the desire to kill, steal, and destroy, all those things. Transfer allegiance from that to God. Like, God, I believe in you, you are the authority. You are the Lord. We are literally going out there, building the church, building the kingdom of God to say to all the world, hey, transfer your allegiance over from the wicked things of this world to your God. Authority to your Lord. Go. Jesus speaks to us. Go. See, God invokes us to build his church based on his authority, all authority in heaven and on earth. Go. But you notice this, not only does God invoke us to build his kingdom based on his authority, but God also leads us to build his kingdom based on his word. Look at the next, very next verse in Matthew 28. It says in verse 20, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe everything I commanded. what are you going to do? What are you going to go in, What are you going to tell them to do? Like, as you go with all authority that God has given to you, God's given us authority now, what do we go do? What are we, what are we doing when we make disciples? We're teaching everybody to obey God's word. Transfer allegiance. Now you believe in God. You've been freed out of Babylon. You now you're in Israel. You've been freed from sin and evil and wickedness in this world. And now you're with God, presence of God. Now you're with God. What do you do? Obey God's word. God leads us to build his church and his kingdom through his word. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. So just as Haggai is speaking to them, giving them the commands of God, telling them what to do, and they respond in what? Obedience. Why? Because they, they see him as the authority. They fear him in that authority. And he is their Lord, their God, the Lord of armies. In your life, as God grants you goodness and grace, and you recognize him as your Lord, have you also said, okay, God, you are my Lord. What do you want from me? What? What have you given me? What does your word say that is good for me? What does your word say that I've been called to do? Uh, What have you you called me into obedience towards? All of us are are listening to things. My question to you is this. Who has the authority to speak into your life? Who has the authority to speak in your life? And finally, just as Haggai said, I am with you. These, These disciples, like... Throughout their, their ministry, are you, are you with me on this? Throughout their ministry, they, they come back to Jesus. They're like, hey, we, we, we don't feel like we can do this without you. Hey, hey God, this didn't work. Or we need a little help. And Jesus is like, okay, well, this, this spirit comes only out by prayer. Uh, he speaks into their life like, hey, um, uh, when, he, when he sends them out in pairs of two, they're like, I don't know if we can do this. Like there's this doubt within them. When Peter comes to him and he's like, hey, you're gonna die. Uh, uh, I'm gonna die on the cross. Peter's like, ooh, uh, uh, you, you shouldn't do that. I'm not gonna do that too. Uh, then we see Peter deny him three times. We see Judas betray him. Uh, We see the other disciples not at the cross. Where in the world are they? What are they doing? Running away. Not talking about Jesus. A couple of them are there. Maybe uh, some, uh, his mom and uh, friends are there watching this thing that is happening, and and it's going to change the world forever. The cross, and they're not there, and you're going, wait, what are you doing? And we get to this end point. It's like, God's like, After that, after the disobedience, after the betrayal, after falling away, all those different things, he's looking at his disciples and it says he comes near to them. And it's in that moment of nearness. His presence is there. God's presence there with them. You would think in their minds, they're going like, okay, Jesus, we can't do this without you. Like you can raise people from the dead. You can even raise yourself from the dead. You can uh, calm the sea. You can raise up the dead, but give also sight to the blind. You can help people hear who can't hear. Like Jesus is doing all these different things. And you think the disciples are like, Where are you going? Don't don't leave us. Do you see what happens? We all fail, like we all struggle without you. Don't don't leave us. Matthew 28, verse 20 says this. And remember, I am with you. I am with you always to the end of the age. You see the same message that Haggai's people needed to hear? we need to hear every day. When you feel like you can't do what God's called you to do, when you feel like you don't have what God wants for you, remember this, God is with you. There's no greater truth that I could tell you in this life than the Lord God, who has authority over all things, lives in you. You see, I've spent the past few years trying to understand contentment. How, how can contentment be a good thing? And I've, I've, you're on the journey with me. Look, you can't help it. I'm, I'm, I'm your pastor. I'm shepherding you. I'm going to walk you through this, but because I'm dealing with it and fighting and battling sin in my own life, you're just going to walk with me through this, all right? We're going we're to walk through this together because God's teaching me truth, and I wanna be able to walk, I want to be able to walk with you as God speaks into your life as well. And so I'm on this journey through well, how is contentment a good thing, and how do I learn it for my own life? How can I be passionate and content? How can I be urgent and content? How can I be striving to build the kingdom of God and yet content? And I believe God's teaching me even one more layer into this journey, even through Haggai and pouring into my life, through my bride and through my family and those who pour into me. I'm teaching and learning more and more about this. But how, how do we be content in a world full of plenty? And more, and more, and more. And one thing I've learned recently is that there's a big difference between contentment and complacency. Now there's a huge difference between contentment and complacency. In Christ, contentment is the peace of lacking nothing. Yet finding everything. Everything. Never needing more, but faithfully willing to receive or give more. Complacency is the ignorance of feeling as if you lack nothing while longing for more but not having the ability to find it. Contentment is having everything and yet not needing more. Contentment is knowing what God has given you and what God has called you to and not needing more. When it's given, we're thankful. When we're called to more, we're thankful. Never doing more than God's called us to do and never desiring more than God's given us. We find contentment, not complacency. You see, complacency makes us feel like this. Complacency says something like this. Hey, you're good. You got what you need. Settle with it. Hey, the, the, what, what we do, right? We gather things together. We go, okay, this is good for me. I, I like what I have right here. This is good for me. And without, without doing what? Without showing it to God's word, to God's spirit, and to God's people. We go, this is good for me without ever, without ever asking if this is actually good for me. Is this what you want for me, God? Is this going to fulfill my life, God? Is this going to fulfill those desires that are within me? Is this going to give me life in the midst of a world full of death and evil and hurt? Like, is this good for me? And what complacency does is it goes, yeah, this is good for you. Don't, don't, Don't ask any questions about it. This is good for you. It just, it feels good right now it sounds good. Somebody said it was good. It it must be good. Complacency says, this is good for me, and I'm going to settle into this, because it feels comfortable, and I don't want to get over there in that uncomfortable state. I like this, because it makes me feel good. Without ever bringing it in front of God's Word, bringing it in front of God's Spirit, and bringing it in front of God's people, we're just like, hey, this is good. And how many times do we do this in our life? We find things in this world that make us feel good or make us feel comfortable when we go, okay, this must be good without ever analyzing if it is good or not. You see, complacency invades certain areas of our life, and it promises promises us much more than it can ever deliver. Complacency will promise you so much more than it will ever be able to deliver in your life, but contentment invades every area of your life and says what you have is good, and if it's not good, pray to the God who gives. Like, contentment allows us to go, okay, what is good according to God's word, God's spirit, and God's people? Analyze and go, I know God's going to, I know God's going to provide. I trust God's going to provide. He's going to give me what I need. So what I have is either disobedience, and I've pulled away from what God has for me, or it's exactly what I need. Like I can look at things in my life and go, okay, this is exactly what I want. Or I have torn down what God has given me. I've rejected and I've pushed away from what God has given me. I'm fighting against what God is giving me. And I'm no longer uh, appreciative, thankful for what God has given me. And all of a sudden, complacency turns to disgust. Complacency to, it turns to hate. And it's like, I hate what I have. Man, it's a short, short, short slip, slide. It's like just a little slide down from complacency to hatred but isn't this exactly what the people in Haggai find themselves doing right we talked about this at the very beginning what were they doing they were they were complacent with their relationship with God they were like okay that's good man I'm I'm so thankful God brought me out of slavery in Babylon we're good now hey we're in the promised land again everybody check out he'll be fine God will be fine he saved us we're good Let's just figure out how to provide for ourselves. Let's just f- figure out what, to, what we need. Let's just do this thing by ourselves. And it's like setup, like, man, it, it's a setup, right? It feels like, okay, as long as I know what is good for me, and as long as I go get it, I'll be okay. And then God comes in, in Haggai chapter one, and he's like, whoa, you guys forgot something. You got complacent. You're never going to find contentment. You're never going to find contentment in the things of this world. Only what God has given you, and only what God has called you to. This is what I'm learning. Only what God has given you, and only what God has called you to. It's the only fi- way we will find true contentment, true comfort, true peace in this world, is when we know, what is my God given me? what is my God called me to do? And I don't want anything more than that. Now, I understand like right now in this moment, it's so much easier to think that God finds us as like rock star contentment, like spiritual discipline, uh, just awesome Christians. And we're like, man, I'm, I'm doing good. And God finds like us in this like perfect Christian state. And he's like, man, you are perfect. Now, I'm going to give you a, a, a challenge. Here's what I want you to go do. God only finds perfect people and calls them to do what he's called them to do. No. If God was only finding perfect people and calling them to do what he's called them to do, he would find nobody. You know what I'm talking about? Like, he would find nobody. The the exhaustive and overflowing goodness of God that we find in his grace right here is God doesn't find them in contentment. God doesn't find them as like what they should be. He's like, hey, I freed you out of Babylon. Now you're in Israel in the promised land. Like, you would think he finds them. And they're like, thank you, Lord. What do you need for us to do? We're here. Your temple's done. Dwell with us. Provisions. We're good. We've taken care of everything. Like, is that what you feel like sometimes? Like, that's who God comes to. It's those like spiritual saints in the church that he comes to. And he's like, hey man, you're doing really good. I got another task for you. Look at who God comes to. He comes precisely to the people who are complacent, who had been saved out of slavery freed into the promised land, abandoned that goodness of God and contentment that they found because God freed them, abandoned them, and that's precisely where God comes. I just want to remind us, like every single week, that God is coming to those who are complacent. Do you ever feel like you got to get good before you get God? Like, get good before you can be in the presence of God's people? You got to get good before you can do anything for God? Do you ever feel like you got to get everything in line? Like, okay, my things are all in order now, and now God can use me. Um, I like, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit too busy. Let me cut out some things in my life, and then I'll start serving God. Let me just, like, I feel like I'm doing some things that aren't, right. Like right. Let me clean up that area of life, and then I'll figure out if I can serve God or something. It's like, it's like I got to get good before God can work in my life, or God can call me to something. God comes to them, specific, like, precisely where they are in complacency. In, in what I would call utter rebellion from the authority, the Word of God, to come back and build His temple. If you're sitting here today, maybe you need to hear this. Sometimes we find ourselves in life, like, Every category of our life is either complacent or disgusting or hatred. You list out all those things, you look at your family and you're like, man, I'm just complacent. You look at your marriage, and you're like, man, I'm actually just disgusted. You look at your children, and you're like, I'm just so frustrated. You look at what God has provided you financially, and you're like, I don't have enough. And you look at what God has provided you with your transportation, it's not good enough. Your house is not good enough. And you start listing out all of these different categories. Like, like, you look at your job, and you're like, man, this isn't, like, I'm not gonna deal with this. God, I can't stand this thing. Or you're like, all of these different categories, you're like, I'm complacent, I'm disgusted, or hate it. And you're like, well, then God's never going to work in my life. God can never use me. That's not the gospel. You see, you see what happens here? God comes to them and he's like, hey, you're trying to build a house and you're trying to find all these provisions? I've already promised you Provisions. Like you're trying to find the food that you need, you're trying to find the house that you can live. With. I've already promised you those things. Like he, do rem- you see what God does? He reminds them of the gospel, and calls them to obey Him. Reminds them of the gospel and calls them to. Not reminding perfect people, He reminds those who are already stumbling and fallen, and calls them to obey. I don't know what you're dealing with today, maybe what situation you are in in your life where you feel like all those categories are in your life. But here's what I do know, and God has taught me in my life, and God is speaking through his word. When you find yourself in a place where you feel like everything is under your control and you're trying to grab every provision in your life and you're trying to provide for yourself and your family and all of these different things and you want to do everything yourself and you're like, I can if I just work harder, I'll have more. If I just choose to do the right thing, I'll have more. And if I could just make sure that everybody around me doesn't affect what I want to do, if I can do all that, my life's going to be perfect. If that's where you feel like you are today, you're like, I can do this. Or maybe you feel like there's no way I can do this. And like I said earlier, your life is spiraling out of control and you're like, there's no way God can work in this. There's no way I can get out of this. I'm just done. I'm done with this category of my life. Let it go. I'm done. If that's where you feel like you are in your life, remember what Haggai says. Jesus uh, is speaking to us later in Matthew. God speaking through the prophet Haggai. When they, when they are starting to work in obedience, when they've recognized the gospel and recognized God's authority, what does God say to them through the prophet Haggai? He says, I am with you. Brothers and sisters, when you feel like your life is spiraling out of control, or you feel like you're trying to get everything that you need and it's all up to you, and all the pressure's weighing down, and you're like, "Can I get everything that I need? I can't do this. I, I can't. I can't deal with this anymore. I'm so sick of this category." Or you get complacent and you're like, "I'm just gonna sit because this looks like it's good." And all those categories are laid out before you, and the Lord comes to you. Remember what He says to you: not because of your goodness, not because of your perfection, not because you got it all under control. Control, but because your entire life's in chaos, God comes to you and he just asks you for one thing. Give over control. Contentment's literally this, this, this idea of like, God, here it is. You're the Lord. You're over it all. Heaven and earth. You're the Lord of armies. Here you go. I can't do it. You can. I am with you. Mm. There's so many people in this world who feel like they need to get good to get God, they need to hear the message of Haggai. Even when we've tasted of the goodness of God's grace, even when we've experienced the salvation of God and been brought out of slavery into the goodness of our land, into the goodness of salvation, in the goodness of freedom, even when we've tasted. God wakes up the complacent. God wakes up those who forgot. God wakes up those who are in rebellion. So, my prayer for you this morning is that God will wake us up. Dads, don't get complacent in your parenting. It's a challenge. Moms, husbands, don't get complacent in your marriage. Wives, don't get complacent in your marriage. Friends, don't get complacent in your friendships. Find contentment. It's different. Don't get complacent in what God has provided for you. Find contentment. Complacency can be for a a whole lot of riches in life. You think riches provide everything you need, and it's like, I've got what I need because I finally got it. All the provisions God could have ever wanted for anybody have been bestowed upon me, and I am good. And the moment those are taken away, your life falls into shambles. It's because you didn't find contentment in what God provided for you. You found complacency. Whether you make $2 a day or $200 a day or $2,000 a day, what does God want for you? What is God providing for you? You with me, Pastor Glenn? How many people do you know that make a dollar a day that are more joyful than many Americans who make $200 a day, $2,000 a day? It's not about how much you make. It's not about what you have. It's not about what you do. It's about who's you are. I am with you. And hey, you can strive your entire life to prove me wrong. But at the end of the day, whether you're on a hospital bed, or at your home, there's only going to be one thing that matters. Whose you are. Because no matter what you have, it's all going to fall. No matter what you've done, it's all going to be forgotten. It's not about what you have. It's not about what you've done. It's about who you are. I am with you. So as the band comes forward, i got three gospel responses for you this morning. The first is, I want to just ask you to pray for an awakening. People don't just find contentment on their own. People don't just find value and obedience and God's goodness on their own. We, We are not good at this. We don't just go... Hey, this is actually good for me, but I thought it was bad for me. We're not good at that. We need God to awaken us. And, and church, we need God to awaken our hearts first, awaken our church, awaken our city, and awaken this world to his goodness. If we're going to find goodness, it's not going to be because we were logically talked into it. It's going to be because God worked in our hearts because we are broken people who desire broken things. So church, would you pray with, with me for an awakening in our hearts, for an awakening in this church, an awakening in this world. And second, I want to ask you to do something. This is a process that uh, I've done with uh, some of my D groups and people whom I, I've been able to work with and love, and um, I'm going to challenge you to do this with me. I, I do it for my life. I'm not challenging you to do this every single day because that might cause you to, it might not be actually healthy for you. I'm just asking you to do this occasionally in your life. Would you put out everything that you are, like what you, sorry, what you do and what you have? All right? Layout and journal, guide, type it on a laptop, whatever. Everything that you have and everything that you do. And I want you to ask for each one of those categories, are you complacent or content? And if you're not complacent or content, you've probably shifted from complacent into that slide down towards hatred, judgment, uh, frustration, uh, jealousy sometimes. Whatever that slide looks like for you. Complacency, it's really quick movement from there towards some type of sin towards some type of evil, wicked thought about that category. So you look into those categories and you're saying, am I complacent or am I content? And have I allowed that to become a sinful thought in my life? I'm tired of it. I want to kick it out. But God's saying, no, 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 no. that's that's for you. And it's goodness for you. So you lay it all out there. Okay, I'm challenging you to do that this week. And then third, um, and it only can flow from this. You cannot move from... Uh, to this third challenge without first finding contentment, right? we got to find contentment in the gospel. When we find contentment in the gospel, we can find our commitment to God, the commitment to obedience in what God has called us to do. And so my third challenge is, what is God calling you to do that you have become complacent in? What is God calling you to do that you have become complacent in? Because all the categories in your life, you look at them all, and God's given you this challenge in your life. Because look, I'm not honoring the text if I don't give you this challenge. Haggai is literally challenging people who are complacent and comfortable to stop being complacent and comfortable and do what God's called them to do. So being faithful to text, here's what I'm telling you. If there's something God has called you to do in your life, no matter how old you are, no matter where you are in your life, well, you might feel like you're just just the worst of the worst sinners. You might feel like you're the most complacent person in Christianity and like you've wasted all your time and you're done. You might feel like your age is a hindrance because you're too young, you might feel like your age is a hindrance because you're too old. No matter what, where you are, I'm, here's what I'm asking you. Not, not what do you think. I'm asking you this. What has God called you to do? And have you become complacent in that to say, I don't have time for that. I'm just good with what I'm doing. I'm just good with what I'm doing. So brothers and sisters, I have done, I have had I have experienced, and I've come to this truth. There's no greater contentment than the, the contentment that is found in Christ Jesus. It's a truth from my life. It's a truth from Scripture. And I hope that will invade your life too. So church, God wakes up complacent people. Let's pray that he would do that. God, would you move in our hearts right now? Would you stir up, as that Hebrew word says, Would you rouse up within us? Would you wake up within us a goodness that cannot be found in things of this world, a passion that is content, a peace that is content, a comfortable uh, status of life that is content with what you give us, uh, and a reality of the provisions that we've been given and a contentment with those provisions. God, would you wake us up to the commitment that you called us to, the commitment in this world, the commitment to our families, the commitment to ourselves, the commitment to you. God, would you wake us up to the commitment that you've given us in this life that we might not find complacency, but would find purpose? So I'm praying, God, and I'm asking for this. Would you wake us up from our complacency and show us contentment in what we have and contentment in what we do? May you, God, inspire us to go and build your church, never doing more than you've called us to do, never doing less, never desiring more than you've given us, and never receiving less. Would you be our good provider who gives us exactly what we need and calls us to do exactly what you have for us? And may we find peace and contentment in only what you have and what you call us to do. Now we're given over control. Father, we're given over control because you are the Lord, our God. We give you control. We love you and praise you in your son's name. Amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.